Why, hello, fans. It's the Disciple Henson Podcast, and I'm your host, Daniel Schreiner. I hope you know that as a church, we are a church that believes in Sunday school. Yes, Sunday school. And I'm not talking about just Sunday school for kids, but Sunday school for adults. It's been going on a long time here at Henson, and we've had great participation over the years, great teachers. One of those teachers is one of our elders, Jeff Leibert. Uh, Jeff spearheads some of the content of one of our adult classes, and I wanted to talk to Jeff a little bit about his reflections after 13 or so Sundays on the topic of unity in diversity. Hope you enjoy and are helped. Jeff Leibert, welcome to the Disciple Henson Podcast. Thanks for joining us, the late night edition. Thanks, Dan. It's good to be here. Yeah, uh, we're doing this over Zoom. Unfortunately, we're not face-to-face, so we have that kind of added barrier. Uh, this is this is Sunday night, the 13th of September. Is that the right date? 13th. 13th, so it's really smoky everywhere. We thought it'd be best just with schedules to do this over Zoom. So, Jeff, I can see you, but the listeners can't. You have a, a good-looking beard, by the way. I like to call it my COVID beard. I'm going to keep growing it till COVID's gone. Okay. I was afraid you were going to say like COVID grows on the beard. Oh, I hope not. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it looks very clean to me. But Jeff, why don't you, I think most of the people probably listening to this podcast would know you, but why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, remind us, who are you? Well, Dan, let's see. So first of all, I've been at Henson my whole life. Go back, uh, I'm third generation. My mom was born at the church, and my mom and dad are still there. I've got a brother and sister-in-law, and their families are still members at Henson. Uh, about 15 years ago, I met my wife, Mary, at Henson in the singles group. Since getting married, we've had, we have three kids, 13, 11, and 8. And uh, just as of six months ago about, I became an elder at Henson. It's been a great privilege to be serving Although I, I miss being able to see people, I still have the opportunity to, to serve the congregation as an elder. And Jeff, what do you do for a living? Uh, CPA. So in just two days, we've got taxes, taxes due for corporations and, and businesses. And then one more month, get your taxes done if you haven't done it already. So you're a busy man these days. I am. Thank Not you. complaining, though. It's good to have a job in these days. Amen. Uh, one of the things you do too, Jeff, is you provide some leadership to one of our adult Sunday school classes. The Bereans used to be yeah. the Mariners, right? Is that correct? Yeah, there's a couple of classes that came together. Okay. Came up with a new name, the Bereans. The Bereans. Okay. So uh, one of the classes that you kind of helped organize, uh, found teachers as well as taught yourself was uh, this class that began back in March, right? And continued after kind of a pandemic hiatus and then continued over Zoom. Um, and it was a class on unity and diversity. Am I getting my, my facts straight? That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, t- talk a little bit about the evolution of this class because, you know, you guys started it uh, way back prior to COVID and then picked it back up um when did we pick it back up again over zoom do you remember end of july or sorry end of june okay so this has been so crazy last few months was that post george floyd's death 
post-George Floyd, right in the heat of okay. the, the, big, the biggest demonstrations downtown. Okay. So, but it was just in God's providence that we were talking about this because this was something that was planned before, even, uh, you know, before all the kind of the racial tension flared up in earnest, you know, in our streets, particularly in Portland, well, and all over the world, really. Um, we're talking about this class. We're, ta- or we're talking about this topic. So did that, do you feel like that changed the nature of the, the content of the class or the discussion? Or did you kind of just kind of go forward with the biblical content, with the kind of table of contents that you had planned? Like, how did you see the, the class evolve? So it, for me personally, it changed immensely. Mm. When we first scheduled the class, it was going to be a, a two-part class, actually half of it on unity and diversity and half on, on neighboring. Mm. And I saw it as these two pieces, unity and diversity in the church. And then how are we going to take that out to the neighborhood? And then when we reconfigured on zoom, it really for me came together as well, unity and diversity is in the church. And it's so clearly outside the church. As we look at George Floyd, we look at the riots, as we look at, um, approaches to, to COVID to just so many different things right now. You can't be a Christian in the world and not see unity and diversity as a hot topic. So for me, it just became something that we had to talk about what it looks like in the church and outside the church. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So everyone's talking about these topics these days, but this class was called Unity in diversity. So not unity and diversity, but unity and diversity. Uh, is, is that possible to have unity and diversity? Why do we put these two things together? So a lot of the, a lot of the research, uh, not research, a lot of the manuscripts, the different work that I had to, to work with to develop some of the class, it always had it separated, unity and diversity. And I kept thinking, how can you have both? How can you have unity and and anything? It seems like it seems like everything has to fit inside of unity. So as I as I just thought through what it looked like for me as a teacher, I, I wanted our I wanted our people to not see diversity as something that you that you impose on unity and that you have to work in that you have to that that is contradictory. I wanted them to see how God's plan was that He would create one and that one that one church would be so diverse they're so so just to me just felt like it all came together Hmm. let's i'm just curious jeff you've been at henson a long time um how have you seen unity and diversity What, what any any stories that come to mind any expressions of of times of unity um even in the midst of diversity and and what maybe what did the diversity and unity look like yeah, great question. I'll start with I'll start with an example of where I felt like there was some diversity, and without, of course, without naming names, I felt like there were there was. I remember a time when our church was really flourishing and growing, and yet what we saw was different groups. We saw a group of people that felt like the old timers, and a group of people that felt like the the, the young, fresh, young blood, and that was great to be a growing church. But when things weren't quite as easy, when things weren't quite going on the straight path, you kind of felt that the diversity pulled those groups apart. 
And so that was, that was hard to watch when you see a church growing, but not growing together. And if I look now over these last 10 years, just I'll, I'll pick a, 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 maybe kind of an odd example for anybody who's not been in our auditorium. We used to have a, a bright picture of a white Jesus. And being somebody who grew up in the church, that's just what I was used to seeing every Sunday morning. So when the idea of it being taken away was floated, I thought, well, how do you take away the centerpiece of your church? And yet I can't think of a single person who's ever complained when the bright light Jesus was taken away. Uh, probably a better example is just a few years ago, we had women begin praying during our church services, which is Public great to way. see the day publicly, which is like great front, to see the on diversity the yeah. on the platform. I'm sure they were praying before. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Dan. Women were, were praying publicly in our main church service. And it was great to see the diversity. And this had been done before at Henson, but it, it felt like it had been a little while. And so, and again, there was, I, I had, even I as an individual had a fear, what might people think? And yet what I heard was encouragement. What I heard was young and old congregation excited to see diversity, to see different people using their skills for the, for the church, for the edification of the body. Those are great examples, Jeff. I'm glad you brought those out. Uh, specific. Um, it made it, you talking about those examples. And as I think back, even just in the, in the short time compared to you that I've been here at Henson, I, I, I would often explain to my friends that it felt like we had two churches simultaneously. We kind of had this old Henson um, that had been here that predated Michael. Let's just say that predated Michael. And then we had a new Henson, a new group of people that were mainly younger who had come post Michael. And you kind of had these two congregations with two different, maybe philosophies of ministry or two different ways of doing things, uh, different personalities, um, you know, and you just had this, a, a natural, kind of a natural break. You had one group that had been together for a long time, you know, that were proud to be mariners and Philathians and sojourners, you know, and then you had this, this new crew coming up. So I wondered as a pastor, I wondered, you know, we have some diversity here. <laughs> I mean, that was just one expression. How, it, like, how is this church going to be unified? How is this church going to be one? Um, and, and you, gave, uh, you gave a couple of good examples of how you, you've seen the church come together. What, what would you attribute to uh, the church coming together in the midst of, I mean, that was just one example of diversity um, that, was, that was kind of obvious to people who, have, who had been around for a while. How was the church able to be unified? Um, because I think we, I mean, it's not like we've arrived, but how, how would you say that we've seen seen growth like what would you what why how <laughs> yeah it's a great question and i was trying to think about that one answer seems like maybe a bit of a pat answer and that's discipleship mm. what does it look like for a church member to grow and love another church member and, and one of the things that i've loved about my time being here and actually in our sunday school classes are a great example of this we don't have Sunday school classes that say, okay, we want to put all the 60 year olds together and we want to put all the 20 year olds together and it looks the same in our small groups. We don't try and base them on age or, or anything that would isolate people. We, we've tried to encourage people to disciple young, old, 
um, people in different stages of life and different, different, uh, different nationalities. We've really tried to encourage that in our discipleship. And then I've, and I've seen that in a couple ways. I've seen that we have a couple, I'm thinking of a couple of elders right now off the top of my head who probably roughly in their sixties. And I'm amazed at how often they talk about having talked to a 20 year old single or a 30 year old single. Uh, I think of PK who was a recent intern who comes in and he's reaching out to, to older, to older members of the church in his, in his twenties. And it's just, we, and we he's Asian American. And he's Asian American. So yeah. 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 And so we're seeing this encouragement not to isolate, not to be homogenous, but to love the body because they're the body of Christ, because they're brothers and sisters, not because they're like you, not because they entertain you, not because they provide what you need. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really helpful. Um, well, let's just, let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Uh, where do we see, um, the scriptures talk about unity in the church? What are some key, what are some key texts that you think of as you thought about this class? You're like, I mean, is, is it taught in scripture for the (laughs) church to be unified? So I'll look at two different types of texts. The first class I taught, which I had the the privilege of teaching in March. And then when we came back post COVID or in the midst of COVID and post George Floyd taught again, it's just, I I, I looked at where do we see, where do we see diversity and unity and diversity throughout scripture? And you just see it where you look at, you look at the beginning of Genesis and you see out of Adam, God makes, makes Eve, and they, they become one, yet they're separate. Uh, and then we look at, at Abraham, who is going to be the father of many nations. Well, and, and if you look into the New Testament, you see that we're all unified together, is that, 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 that one nation of, of those who have faith in Christ. Well, we all know that those many nations who are now one, we don't all look the same, we're not all identical yet we're all one nation under God, uh, one nation uh, uh, of believers. And then if you get to the very end of scripture, and, and one of my, just the, my, I think one of the, the, the greatest, maybe the greatest picture of what it will look like to be a unified people, Revelation, you, you see the vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, language, which no one could number. And they're standing before the throne and they're praising the Lord. You just see this idea throughout scripture of, of the many people as one nation, as one people with God. But then we also can see it more specifically in, in Paul's writings, and I'll be a bit brief. But if you look at Ephesians 4, 4, there's one body and one spirit, just so you were called to one hope. You're calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and father of all who's above all and through all and in all. So just the idea that we're all one, the unity of being one people, but we're also diverse. First uh, Corinthians 12, just as the one body, just as the body is one has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body. So also in Christ. And it goes on to talk about the, the foot and the eye and, we just see that we are all we all are a different part of the body, yet it's one body. Mm. So there's just some of the passages where you can kind of see this idea of being one but being many. 
Yeah, yeah, those are those are helpful passages to point to, and I like the little biblical theology that you trace from Genesis to Revelation. That was good. So, um, one one of the things I was thinking of, it, it, I, so often when we talk about these topics, I think we do divorce it from Scripture, which is why I'm glad you took the time to kind of walk us through some of those texts. Um, I just think from my own experience, like obviously the the world celebrates diversity. We have, you know, diversity training in our workplaces. Um, you're commended by having um, people from, from different ethnicities be a part of your organization. That, that's something that's pursued across just, I mean, especially maybe here in our country. I don't know. Um, and then unity is celebrated as well. Um, you know, I've been a part of uh, different kind of parachurch or just different churches getting together, trying to, to be like, yeah, we're all one. We're together. We're, we're going to pray together and we're all, we're all one. Um, but is it, is it hard? Is it hard to, to achieve in a church, maybe like Henson, is it hard to achieve unity in the midst of so much diversity? You've already named a couple, you know, examples of diversity, whether it be you've been at Henson a long time or you're newer or your age or your marital status or your ethnicity or your socioeconomic status. Like those would be some, some examples, uh, even though there'd be many more of, of diversity, but like, um, and you, and you said we would pursue it through discipleship. Um, but how do we, how do we achieve, would you say like a biblical unity in, uh, in those terms, in those biblical terms, like what would a biblical unity look like? That was a long winded <laughs> question, but do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be fine to just say no. I yeah. don't have time no. what you're talking about. It just sounded like you rambled for a while. So as a church, we have, I think we're always, when we come into a church, we're always asking ourselves the question, what, what do we want from this church? Mm. And so as Christians, we're, you know, we're, we're thinking just like the world, we're, we're thinking, what do I want? What do I want from my marriage, from my children and from my church? And so when we come into the church, when we, if we're thinking what we want is to look like the world, we want unity like the world. We want to do diversity training. We want to do all those things. I, I think that all the world, although the world may be right in what it wants, the motivation isn't through Christ. The motivation isn't in something that will hold and be eternal. And I think the church is, church is going to have that same problem. If we just want to have diversity because it looks good, it's going to fall pretty flat eventually. But when we, when we base our diversity on wanting to be a picture of God's kingdom, and what we base that on is all having the same hope, then it's still going to be hard because we're a broken people. But there's one thing that will bind us that is eternal, and that's Christ. And so I think that's what we have to look for. We have to, we have to build, build ourselves around the hope of Christ and not around the end goal of diversity or the end goal of unity. We have to base those in the what holds us together. Yeah, that was well put, Jeff. I think... I think maybe in part, correct me if I'm wrong, what, part of what you're saying is if we're pursuing Christ, if Christ is, is supreme, um, our love for him will overcome um, barriers um, and, and we, will, 
we will not pursue unity for unity's sake or pursue diversity for diversity's sake. But we will, I mean, it's hard to think of a way to say it without it sounding cliche or trite, but pursue, pursue unity and diversity for Christ's sake because, because Christ, you know, his, his prayer in John 17, he, he prays that we would be one and we know when we are in him, we are one as brothers and sisters and our, our mutual love for him and for one another overcomes, like I said, those, those barriers. Is that, is it, is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's so, it's so, it's so different when we're trying to look at wanting to wanting our brothers and sisters to have that same that same view of God and that same view of the eternal, eternal goal. And I think we just keep it. And I, I was just thinking of, I mean, I love my neighbors, but when they, when they look for uh, unity and diversity in this world, that, that's fine until it challenges their own wealth or their own education. But the unity, the unity and diversity that we're looking for there's no end to the number of people that Christ wants to have with him. He wants all of us to be, he wants all, all people who believe in him to share in, in the eternal salvation. So that unity is something that we can be seeking out and encouraging. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's good. I don't want to end on a downer Jeff, but um, as we begin to conclude this conversation today, uh, what, what are some threats to, to unity in the church and, and how have you seen um, maybe even at Henson a lack of unity um, at Henson? It seems like the list could go on. I, just a few things I was thinking about. Pride for me would sort of kind of encompass maybe the whole list. Just the idea of of I'm more important, that what I do is more important, that what I need is more important. And we can see that play out in different ways. Um, righteousness, where I do things more godly than others, and so therefore my way should be the way that we, we do things. Consumerism, um, we, we need to have the music that fits my lifestyle. We need to have a small group that fits my lifestyle. It's just a, an approach of selfishness that you know we want to be served in the church instead of being the ones who are doing the serving. Uh, and one last one, just the idea of uh, a mistaken identity that, that we think that our identity can be in this world. Um, even pastor Michael, you know, is kind of talking about it today where we're, we're seeking out, you might be seeking wisdom of this world. You might be seeking the things that in the end um, are but vapor and disappear. When we seek those things, we're not going to have unity in the church because we're always going to be seeking the things that make us happy. And so those things are going to pull us away from loving others. Yeah. That was a good list right there. Um, Did did you think of any specifics from, from your time at Henson? If you can't think of anything, that's fine. Where uh, there was a moment when you were, when you thought to yourself, Oh, we are not unified as God has called us to be one. We are not pursuing, you know, the, the, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, 
where, you know, we, we are not living out the reality of what Christ prayed for us in his high priestly prayer. That there was a moment that you like came to a realization, like we, we've got a long ways to go. Not, not any moments that come up, come to mind, but a couple different ways in which I've, I've seen it play out more long-term. And the first one, it, it's a bit simple, but the music, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this before, it'll come up again, but we've lost members over music because we didn't have the right kind of music or because they weren't able to serve in the right way for music. But what I found interesting about it wasn't the people that left. It's the people that are still here who are musically inclined, musically gifted, and who don't always love the music, yet they've stayed. And so I've seen it go both ways. I've seen those people who fought through something that wasn't their favorite because they loved the church and they loved the people. And then just one thing I remember back when Michael first came, one of the first things he said was, that he was going to want more people to do the work of the church. And I thought, and I thought, well, that's going to be really hard when the people are used to being served and they're used to having paid people do the things. And I don't know how many people have come or gone because of that. But I can tell you that we have a stronger church and a, and a harder working church and church that loves each other more because we're working together to promote the church instead of paying people to do the work of the church. Yeah, those are, those are uh, two good examples and really insightful as someone who's been around for a while. The old worship wars, man, I mean, uh, Hint, unfortunately, Henson is not unique in uh, there being big battles over style of music or the particular songs. I think one of the ways, if you're listening to this, one of the ways you can promote the unity of the church and love your brothers and sisters is sing, sing songs uh, that maybe you don't love the style of the song. If the lyrics are true about the Lord and about who we are as God's people, sing loud, sing joyfully, knowing that uh, there's probably people who enjoy that style. <laughs> It might just be Michael, but <laughs> no. Sometimes you have to please the head pastor. Well, what I appreciate about what Michael brings to the table is he seeks to introduce us to uh, music throughout the history of the church. So it might sound really old and antiquated, but to think about the unity that we actually share with believers across time and space is, uh, I think, is, is a good, good things to think about. Uh, that, you know, Christianity didn't arrive here in the 21st century in Portland, Oregon, but it's, it's been going on for a while. And we might have some things to learn from brothers and sisters who have gone before us. A thing or two. Yeah, maybe. maybe. You know, one of the things, um, I didn't know if you would mention it, but one of the things that struck me when I came to Henson is how white Henson was. And you referred to the, to the white, light, bright Jesus. Um, uh, which was, uh, you know, loved and many people had just grown used to it, like you had talked about. Um, but I thought, man, this is, this is a really white church. There are a lot of white people. And then I came to understand that Portland is a very white city. Um, 
And but I have been encouraged to see brothers and sisters of color come into the church in, in, a, in a place where they, you know, they must feel this is not, these are maybe not my people. Like at least people, they don't look like my people or what I grew up, uh, who I grew up worshiping with or what my neighborhood or my school community was like. Um, but these people love Jesus and I'm going to love them and love Jesus with them. And to see, to see a growth, a diversity in, in different ethnicities and backgrounds. So, I mean, whether, uh, no matter the color of the skin um, has been, has been encouraging to me, but certainly that can be a barrier. You know, it, it is, I think it's easier. It's always easier to, to be with people who are, who are like you, the more, more like check boxes that you have of commonality, the easier it is going to, to pursue a so-called unity. But uh, what we're hopefully pursuing here at, at Henson is a unity in Christ and not just in a bunch of different commonalities, being able to check a bunch of those boxes. So certainly, Jeff, as you, as you Todd, and the other uh, brothers taught this class over these past few months, I appreciated how the value of that was, was highlighted. Um, Jeff, just to, to conclude, is if there was one thing from the class on the topic of unity and diversity that you would want people to walk away with, what would that be? As I was thinking for tonight, uh, what, I, what I thought of was love of neighbor. Mm. And it wasn't so much something that we talked about a lot in the class, but I thought of it because I was, I was thinking of what Jesus's point was when he talks about um, the love of neighbor, the story of the, the man on the road who the Samaritan helps. And it's that your neighbor, the one you love, isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily somebody who looks like you. It's not necessarily somebody you've helped before. It's not even necessarily somebody who believes all the same things you believe, but just the person who God has put around you to love and to care for. And so we have an opportunity within the church to love people. And I would feel remiss if I didn't mention Virgil Brown and Redemption Church. There are churches around us. We have the opportunity to work with and promote diversity in this city. And it's not always going to be comfortable or easy, but we are called to love those who are not like us. And it's for God's glory and not for ours. Amen, brother. That is a great place to conclude. And uh, let's continue to pray that the Lord would give us humility, um, that we would know, um, as Michael talked about in his sermon on Ecclesiastes 1, that we would be able to know, uh, have sorrow and grief when we see a lack of reconciliation and a lack of unity, and that we would pursue that unity by laying down our rights, laying down our preferences and love for each other. Um, it's, it's so easy for disunity to invade a church. It comes in subtly, doesn't it? Not always in the ways that we expect. Um, and, uh, but let's pray that the Lord would make us as elders and make us as a church, um, those who, who, are, who are praying to see that this kind of unity in diversity. So thanks, Jeff, for, for helping lead the class over the last few months. Thanks for having this conversation, brother. Take care. Thanks, Dan. 